Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my guest today is a doctor. Yes, a doctor of books. As the editorial director at Entrepreneur Press, she has seen many pages and books cross her desk on a number of topics, including business, entrepreneurship, self-help, technology, history, and lifestyle. Yeah, I'd say lifestyle. That's an entrepreneur is a lifestyle, without a doubt. And as we look to pivot, why not write a book? I'm telling everybody, go be your own brand. Be the brand of you. Be the brand of the company. Get out there. Make it happen. So what do we need to know if we want to write a book? Where do we even start? Jennifer Dorsey will answer these questions and gives insights on what it takes to get noticed in a crowded publishing world. It's a great interview. You're going to want to listen to this. Welcome, Dr. Jennifer Dorsey to All Business right here on C-Suite Radio. Hey, friend. How are you? Good, good. And we are friends because you've produced now two of my books, two of my bestsellers, uh, Think Big, Act Bigger. And of course, my last one, The Hero Factor, which has just been a huge success with Entrepreneur. It has been. We have so enjoyed working with you. It's been a great ride. I hope we have many more rides to come. Yeah, well, we're going to have some more because we're already starting to work on another one. We got it right here, especially with this big shift going on. And I'm telling people, one of the biggest things they have to do is write a book, you know, be out there, be their own brand and be able to do that. I've written several books, but putting pen to paper is still a bent daunting for a lot of people. What's the first thing uh, you need to know if you want to write a book? What, What would you tell them, Jen? You know, I really think the first thing to do is to be confident about who you are, what your message is, uh, make sure that there's a place for that in the marketplace. As you as you said, it's a very busy, full marketplace full of ideas. So you have to find your niche. And if you find your niche and you write to that and write from the heart, then you've got a winner. Yeah, without question. You know, we, you know, we've worked together. What made working together with my team? Because you and I didn't have a ton of conversations. My team did, which was awesome because they just really do a great job. But we did have a few conversations about, hey, where we wanted to go, how we wanted to do it. What what makes working with a, with someone on a book easy? You know, I really think those open lines of communication are vital to the process, uh, making sure that we're all on the same page and that we, we create a plan to go forward. So I always like to sit down with writers, with their teams, make sure that we have a very strong editorial plan in place. We know what the vision is for the book. We know what that table of contents is going to look like. And then we go from there. And it's really just all about the execution after that. You know, when's a good time to get started? Now, right now. (laughs) It is. Anytime's a good time to get started. But I think, especially in the business space, you want to be someone who's got a platform. In other words, you've got some places to go out there and talk about your book, sell your book, uh, get ideas into a broader marketplace. You want to have some of those pieces in place and then really sit down and write that book because that's what's going to ultimately help us get it out there and get the word out. Yeah. And so, what, so how does it work with, with Entrepreneur in doing a book? Um, if I want to get started with a book with you, what do I have to do? How do I, how do I get you to choose me, pick me, pick me? <laughs> right. So for, not, for all of nonfiction, but especially for business, the book proposal process is really the vital piece. And so you know that because we've done that together as well. 
um, you're pitching your idea. So I want to know what the idea is, why it's important and special and different, why you are the right person to write it. Um, I want to know what that platform looks like, what the market looks like for it, like who's going to buy the book. Um, I also want to know if you've educated yourself about comparable titles and comparable authors. And so you, you can help me identify where you fit in that space. So a book proposal is really where we start. Well, in that book proposal you just outlined, that's really a marketing plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of authors don't understand that they think, oh, just writing the book is the big thing. Oh, I, you know, I just finished my book and I go like, hey, what are you talking about? You just, you just got started. <laughs> exactly. There's so many moving parts to the process and a great idea is wonderful. We want that great idea, but we also want to know that you know how to position it and sell it. It's a business. Yeah. Yep. So how is the publishing industry pivoting right now, given the current climate? You know, obviously it's been a challenge, uh, especially for smaller local booksellers who really depend on that foot traffic to come into their stores. But I have seen um, just a really big wave of creativity right now. So for example, for those independent stores uh, that can't have foot traffic, they're doing curbside pickup. They're doing a lot of online work. Um, they're doing special bundling offers. Um, so I think we're really getting creative right now. Um, on the publisher side, we're all really working hard to do virtual events, to do webinars. For example, you see a lot of folks um, who are writing for us who do webinars on the entrepreneur side. So I think it's really just all about kind of meeting the moment and finding a way to get in there. Yeah, I, I had a massive uh, one that I did with your team you guys are so big and such a big family, which is great, but it were good people. And we had a great, great webinar. I talked about my five keeps and uh, we spent some good time on what entrepreneurs need to be doing right now during COVID in order to protect their business and do the right things, which is awesome. So what challenges are you seeing within the industry? You know, I think right now from a broader book selling uh, position, we're just really looking at what is going to be happening in, in the short term and in the long term for how people are going to buy books. And so, you know, selling books is sort of a, a leap of faith anyway, because you're making that guess to begin with. You're saying, here's what I think people will buy in a year, in a year and a half. And so we're really just kind of taking all of those things into consideration right now and making sure that we make smart choices, that we're putting out evergreen content that's going to be useful no matter what's going on in the world. That's good. Hey, listen, we want to take a quick break and we're going to be right back uh, because I always have to take care of looking ahead for my sponsors. So we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. We're talking live with Jennifer Dorsey, Editorial Director of Entrepreneur Press. We're talking about books, uh, entrepreneur, and we're talking about the entrepreneur as in the magazine, as in the family of entrepreneur, publishing, media, everything, the conglomerate of, of, of entrepreneur, which they've been going around for a lot of years. And of course, they've published my, my last two books. And I'm so excited to be talking to Dr. Jennifer Dorsey. And she's the book doctor. That's what we refer to her. And her team refers to her as the book doctor because she's you have a PhD in rhetoric and composition from St. Louis University, right? I do. Yeah. That's, that's a very fancy way to say I help people learn how to write. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, well, I think that's really cool to be able to have that and do it. So we were talking right before the break about challenges you're seeing in the industry, but what opportunities are you seeing out there for writers, for authors, for thought leaders, you know, or for business leaders? Because I'm saying right now, don't just think you have to be a thought leader. You have to be a guru. You, you can be a good business leader and be writing a book about your category, writing a book about how you help people, writing a book about how you do things as an entrepreneur. And that becomes a marketing tool too. Oh, absolutely. And I think we're seeing that um, across the board. We really want to help the people who we serve, right? It's a, it's a little bit of that hero leadership that you talk about in the book, Jeff. And I think that that's, it's a moment for all of us to step up and do that. So even if you're not ready to sit down and write that big book, do a white paper, do a webinar, yeah. you know, add some new content to your website. Think about do, do what a you're podcast. Do, do a podcast. Do a podcast. We could create a podcast right. and from the podcast interviews becomes the book. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, find what your what your followers, what your customers, find out what they need right now, because this is a time for us all to step up and kind of do that hero leadership piece. And I think when we do it through content, that's what's most useful to people right now, because they're home, they are reading, they, they have certainly a million things on their plate. But if you're providing that for them, it's there for them now, it's there for them later. You know, I think everybody that's watching this and of course, uh, and listening, um, I have people who come to me all the time and say, oh my gosh, Jeff, I uh, love your book, love your book. Uh, but I love the fact that you're doing an entrepreneur. How do I get in touch with them? You know, and I, and I'm always, you know, passing people on to you guys um, and to be able to take a look at what does the process of acquiring a title look like to you? So really, we start with that proposal. We start with those submission guidelines, which you can find on the website. If you go to the books section of the Broader Entrepreneur website, you'll see there what I'm looking for for that proposal. And then it really starts to go through a review process. Um, I get that information. We start doing some looking as, uh, as to what the platform looks like for the author, for the marketing. All those things you put in that proposal, I take into consideration. And then for us, it's really just a question of, is it a fit? Is it a fit for our audience? Can we help it meet the market? Yeah. And so, but I got to imagine how, how many, how many proposals do you look at? And then how many do you settle on? Wow. You know, we, we tend to do anywhere from 18 to 22 books a year. So we are considered more of a boutique style publisher in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I see hundreds a year. And so, you know, it's, it's really just a, a, it's really an issue of just getting that right niche and making sure that that's something we can help them do. Now, I heard you say a year, mm -hmm. a year, a year from now, right? right? Most people don't understand that, that that's not the normal process for a book is a year, year and a half out. So mm -hmm. whatever I submit to you today won't make it to market till then. That's right. I'm already acquiring for, you know, 2021 and beyond. And so the book, the book buying process and sort of the, the traditional sense is a very long tailed process in that regard. Yeah. What books not to say that, Oh, go ahead. Finish. No, finish that. And then I'll ask you the next question. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, you can't get to market sooner. I mean, you, you know, if self-publishing is the route that you choose, you can certainly right. do that. Um, again, the, the white paper route is a route that you could choose to, if you want to get your content out there soon. 
Well, you just said, I'm going to come back to my book, a uh, question about what books win, but mm-hmm. would you consider, we, you said boutique publisher and I say boutique because like, a, you know, X number of books a year. So like say 20 books a year um, and you're picking real winners because you know, you're not wasting time, which, uh, which I appreciate. And cause you do put some marketing efforts, things that we've done together. I mean, one of the things we've always done with you is go right to the airports, go to put, go to the places where we find business travelers, business entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, who are out there. So, but I would describe you a, kind of like a hybrid though too, right? I mean, you, there are some self publishers, there's more what I would call traditional publishers and you kind of, kind of like go in between because you're also a kind of marketing the book a little bit more than most others. So you're picking the right kinds of books that fit your audience. It, yeah, of course. Since we're part of that broader media company, that's something that I think makes us very special uh, because we have that ability to get get the word about your book out to the entrepreneur audience in a broader sense. So yeah, I mean, like the webinars that you did, that's a really good example of, mm-hmm. of a marketing tool that we use that um, not all traditional publishers have access to. It's really great. We love it. Well, and then you've got the magazine. So, I mean, yeah. we've been able to incorporate from time to time into the magazine, which has been good. That's been Absolutely. very nice. Oh, sure. Which I really appreciate. So what, what books win? Okay. Which ones are winner? And, and, and then I'm going to ask you, are, are all your books winners? But because, but what, what books really do win? You know, I really think books win when they meet the moment. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for example, right now, books that are winning uh, that meet this moment are books that are helping people think outside the box. There are books that are helping people be those hero leaders uh, that are helping them rethink their marketing strategy. So for us, that's that's a big part of it. Now, how do you know what meets the moment a year from now? You don't. But I think that you can really uh, position yourself to have good, strong, evergreen content that's going to be there when people need it no matter what. So that's what wins. Yeah. And then being able to take that, that content, the book, let's just take the hero factor, which we focused on. And we talk about people's values and living in your values. Well, that's important right now as people are looking about how they might have to lay off workers, how they might have to deal in different ways with the distributive workforce. And so, you know, from our book, the hero factor really gets into those values, which I think is, you know, a a pretty good, pretty good way of doing it. Yes. What about, what about how long should a book be? Wow. Well, in the, in this particular space, in the business space, I think people want something that feels like it offers a good value, but that also won't take you forever to read. We don't want to write war and peace, right? So yeah. for the books that we sell in particular, we like to stay in that, you know, that 200 to 250 page range. Um, that's a nice meaty read. For people who are busy, who are on the go, who really want to learn something, that's where we find our strongest fit. Yeah. And for those that are are trying to figure out word counts, that's usually about Mm -hmm. 40 to 50,000 words. Typically, almost every business book, you look at them, they're they're pretty much cookie cutter. Um, You know, uh, usually about 10 chapters uh, traditionally with about 5,000 words a chapter, 50,000 words. That's usually what you see. But now they're getting much more shorter chapters, just, you know, shorter chapters, but more chapters, but long, still staying in that range, that 200 to 250 page, and then that 50,000 word count, which I think is important. You you mentioned, you mentioned, um, well, of course, business books, but you mentioned uh, fiction. Uh, You guys don't do any fiction, do you? Yeah. No, No, just nonfiction. 
Yeah, I didn't know. Well, so hey, hey, some some businesses are fiction, but nonetheless, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's right. You know, there's somewhere between like six hundred thousand to a million books published in the U.S. every single year, and we're talking about business books. You know, so you know, again, how how do how do you really stand out? I mean, what's the biggest thing that you could tell someone right now to stand out? Is it title? Is it content? Is it timing? I mean, what is the one, maybe the one thing, if you just said, man, get this right, this would be it. I think the number one thing to get right is to know your audience and to write the book for them. Because yeah. you, you can't be all things to all people. No book can. And so you really want to focus it on what you're good at, who you know, and how you can sell that book to them. And so the riches are in the niches. And that's what you need to focus on. All right. Uh, well, I think you're right. And you need to have an audience, Okay. Listen, folks, you need to know, you know, I keep telling everybody that it, the, the next big thing is to build, you, you got to build that tribe, build that audience, build that community, have a connection to them. If you, if, by the way, if you can walk in with that, if you walk in here and start talking to this book doctor, as we're talking to Jen right now, and you say you have 600,000 followers, you have a mailing list of 350,000, you have this, you have this, I'm going to guarantee that's going to get her attention. Going to get her Absolutely. attention. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of getting attention, I need to take a break and I'm going to come right back uh, and we'll be talking with Dr. Jennifer Dorsey, Editorial Director of Entrepreneur Press. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. Thanks so much for letting me take a quick break. And we're talking to the book doctor from Entrepreneur Press. That is the whole entrepreneur family, as you well know them. Most of you are getting Entrepreneur Magazine or online or in, hey, the real copy. I love the real copy. I love to open it up, love to smell that printing. I love that. I'm the biggest believer in print since Gutenberg, okay? I'm never getting away from print. I love print. I love reading a book the old-fashioned way. And I and I loved, I love the digital too, but I really, I love the audio. Oh, hey, what do you think about audio books, Jen? Audio books are hot right now. And that market is uh, a big seller. It really is growing. And so uh, it's reading, right? It doesn't matter if you're, if you're reading on your Kindle or in a book or on audio, that's still reading. So um, especially right now when people are busy and they're multitasking at home, it's a great time to put on an audio book and get some reading done while you're doing all the things that you're doing at home. Yeah, we're, we're starting to see the audiobooks pick up. And in fact, for those who are looking for a, um, a way to get those done, they just email me at jeff at uh, network.com. Jeff at c-suitenetwork.com. I've got some folks that can do that for you. And a lot of people during this COVID crisis are actually doing those books right now. All right. Which is fantastic. How do people overcome writer's block? A lot of people have that. Uh, I don't, I don't have that problem. Could I kind of lay out my kind of like where I'm going to go with the book? And I kind of like just free roam with topics every single day with my ghostwriter, my mm -hmm. co-writer. Uh, but how do, how do other people, I hear this a lot that they have writer's block. How do they overcome it? You know, I really think just getting in the habit of writing, even if it's not the thing that you're trying to write right now is really important. So, you know, do some writing prompts every day, write about just what you're feeling about for that day. No one has to see it. 
um, you know, just write for yourself and just get in that habit. Um, there's a really great book by a writer called Anne Lamott called Bird by Bird. And she writes about how having a horrible first draft is perfectly fine and part of the process. And so you need to allow yourself to do that and just write it down and then the editing will happen later. So get in there, get writing, even if it's writing your grocery list. <laughs> Sometimes just putting pen to paper kind of sparks that thing in you that helps you get over the hump. I think that's a really smart way of being able to do it. What what would be the one thing you were going to give to someone about writing a book that they got to keep in mind? The one thing, the best thing, I mean, you're the doctor. What's the prescription for having the right kind of book and the right kind of attitude to do a book? I think really just being true to your message and knowing what that message is and knowing how to maximize that in words, whether you're the person who writes it, whether you do use a ghostwriter to write it, um, feel that confidence because when you don't feel the confidence, I can see it in your writing. And so if you know your stuff, the rest will follow. Uh, that's why you have an editor. Yeah. Well, and editors are important <laughs> because you catch things that we don't catch by any means. I don't worry about that too much. When the editor sends the stuff back, some people get all upset about it. I don't care. That's what they're there for. They're there to help me and to make Absolutely. it look good and, and to sound good and to be in the right kind of, uh, of tense and everything else that I have no clue uh, what to do and what to do right. It's always amazing. You know, and I use, um, I use a ghost editor or a ghost writer, um, a, a fellow writer who helps me because I'm more of a of a verbal person than writing stuff down. And I can, you know, I can do a book in a month now because I, I can just get going. What do you, what advice do you have about somebody who wants to use a ghostwriter or not use a ghostwriter? You know, I really think you need to vet people properly and make sure that uh, they've got the street cred to help you get your message out. So for example, if they're a ghostwriter in fiction and you want to write a business book, I don't think they're the right person for you. Tough, yeah. Yeah. So make sure that they've got a good long list of past clients who you can reach out to, who you can speak with. Uh, you can see those samples of their writing. So you know they're the right fit. And then the other part, which as you and Jim know very well, is all about personalities. Do your personalities fit together? Uh, because if not, they're not going to be able to help you get that message out the way you want it to sound. Oh, you are so right. I had my very first ghostwriter that I used for my first book. It didn't work. And my agent said, I'm going to have you fire that person because it's just not working. He didn't capture me. And then we found Jim Eber and Jim, of course, other only other book he'd ever written was a chocolate cookbook or something. It was a cookbook. And, but yet we got along so well and it was evident that the chemistry was there and it was just so easy. And he was, you know, very complimentary to my style and so much so that now his wife will say to him after our fourth book together, um, we'll say to him, stop channeling Hazlet. You know, he'll get sassy with her or something and he just, but he's just a gem, but, but, you know, he's a little nuts, but you know, I'm nuts. So we get along really well. Hey, we're a happy, we're a happy crew together, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jen, how can people reach you? What's the best place to reach you? Uh, the best thing to do if you're reaching out with a submission is to send it to books at entrepreneur.com. Uh, that's where all of our submission uh, pieces go through and I will see that. Fantastic. Well, you heard it there. If you want a bestseller, go see Entrepreneur Books and go see Entrepreneur Press. Okay. We're talking live right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett with Dr. Jen Dorsey. And we appreciate it. She's the book doctor at Entrepreneur Press. And Jen, thanks for joining us on All Business. Thank you, friend. Good to see you. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I 
learned about in the interview. And we've got a couple of great interviews. So stick around for the next one after this. It's all about building wealth. But from Dr. Jennifer Dorsey, from the book doctor, from entrepreneur, the folks that have done my last two books, I tell you what, I'm learned. There's a book in you, right? Right now, you need to be thinking about how can I get my message out in different ways? A book, a book. I used to talk about podcasts too, but right now we're talking about books. Go write a book own the category, write about what you do, how you do it, the way you do it, the way you serve up your services in business. That's what you want to be thinking about doing so you can stand out above the crowd. That's a great way to do it. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, this next guest is a doctor. I'm having a lot of doctors on the show lately. And this one received his honorary PhD in literature and is a sought after speaker, best-selling author, and someone who's checked off every single item of his bucket list. And we talk about some of those in the show and what he's doing to top that. He's also the owner of the Millionaire Mentor and the creator of the greatest event you cannot attend unless you're invited. It involves a secret knock. You got to listen to how we describe it. And it's one of the coolest events I've ever gone to. What does it take to crack the code? Well, we're going to talk about it and to help us reveal the secret to getting rich and building wealth. Please welcome all business Dr. Greg Reed. And then the crowds go wild. Whoa! The crowds go wild. Hey, we're talking about this secret event. What is this secret event? I know what it is, but I'm going to let you tell it. Yeah, I do an event called Secret Knock. And it all began basically almost as a joke. Uh, I was interviewing all these amazing people right in the Think and Grow Rich series. And people said, how do I meet your friends? So I got 12 people in my living room. And I invited them over and they go, do I need a ticket? And I go, no, nah, just do the secret knock. I don't know what's you when you get there. Bump and a bump. It was a joke. It took off. They told their friends. And now we're Forbes, Inc. and Entrepreneurs, top event in the world for business leaders. And it grew to a juggernaut. Yeah. And I told you when, when you first told me about it, and I went, damn, I wish I'd have thought of that. Because it's the <laughs> coolest thing. Because you don't know where the event is. You just know it's going to be held in, you hold them in San Diego. It's going to be in San Diego on X dates. And that's it. That's what you know. You mm -hmm. kind of give us a hint to go to a certain hotel, which is not too far away. But yeah. it could be in a mall. It could be in a, in a, in a gym. It could be in a, an abandoned warehouse. I mean, and I just think that's the cool. It's almost like a speakeasy for the mind. Yeah, right? Exactly. And that's how it all started. Hold on. I, this is my cue to be on this call right now. And what's interesting about that is that so many people were out there blowing up, you know, their great events. And it was always the same talking heads and you saw the same pictures. And I said, what if we did an event? We charge thousands of dollars to go, but we won't tell you where it is or who will be there. But the main thing is you had to deliver, right? That's one thing you and I always talk about. So you had to, if you, it's like uh, the, the circus. If you tell them that there's going to be a lion, you better show up with a lion and four zebras because you'll want to over deliver. And that's what we started doing. And we realized instead of coaches, teachers, and mentors, we would bring in the actual human who did what everyone else was talking about. So if you want to start a clothing line, here's the founder of Ugg Boots. If you want to start a nonprofit, here's the founder of Make-A-Wish. If you have you know, aspirations of being government, here's President Vicente Fox and everyone in between. And by actually having the you know, opportunity to go face-to-face, knees-to-knees with them, you cut to the front of the line. Well, and that's where you meet some great people. And I've met some great people at your event and they've become very good friends. In fact, uh, founder of Ugg Boots, Brian Smith, he's been a great friend of mine, the founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. What, what a great guy that he is. Uh, I met I met the, the former president of Mexico. That was cool. Boy, he's a tall guy too. Most people don't know. How, he is tall. 
Like Most John, people don't like understand. John Wayne guy, right? Yeah, he's big. You know, I, I mean, he's he's actually bigger than John Wayne. He's taller yeah. than John Wayne by by a couple inches. Because I know John Wayne's kids, and um, and I and I've actually. Have seen some of John Wayne's clothes. Don't ask me that question why I know that, but I've seen his clothes at gun shows and some other things that I sometimes go to. Um, well, and then I got to tell you, one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had was Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, right. You had Richard Dreyfus there, and he and I got into this debate in the hallway. And I know that we took half the people out of the room because everyone was standing around and and vote and and watching us have this great great conversation because he he's very intelligent he's he's so far left of the political spectrum uh, and so we were having a good conversation and actually he and I've talked by phone since then a couple of times just to have a good conversation he's nuts let me be clear he, I, I gotta he's say, nuts it, as it, Donald Trump it, it goes <laughs> in a whole different direction to yeah. say the least. But one of my favorite interviews from there was uh, we got, uh, what's his, Edward Snowden, you know, he's hiding in Russia. Oh, and wow. of CNN and all that stuff. Yeah. I got access. And I kept asking all these questions and it was really, I'll, I'll call it very pedestrian conversation because he was very, you know, specific in his answers. And at the very end, I said, hey, I go, before we're done, I'm going to ask you one question, Edward. He goes, what? I go, before you answer it, I need you to literally get your lawyer on the phone because when you answer it, it's got to be very specific. He goes, what's the question? I go, no, no, no. I go, when I ask you this question, the answer's got to be so meticulous because it's going to affect everyone in this room. So be careful with the words you use. And he goes, Greg, what's the question? I go, how do you delete your porn search engine on Google? <laughs> he started laughing. And he sent me an email after he goes, Greg, greatest question ever. Yeah, I, that's a, that's an interesting one. Well, not 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 one that I know about. Let me ask you, you, you I, I, in the intro, I talked about your bucket list. How have you been able to check off everything on your bucket list and what was on the list? Well, actually, I started when I was 17. I wrote 80 impossible items that were just unbelievable at that time. I mean, I just grew up on the beach in San Diego, barely graduated high school. I'm just a regular guy. And so I did this bucket list of crazy things. I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I wanted to run with the bulls. I wanted to make a movie. I wanted to write a book. Just stuff that was impossible to me, I thought. And I just started checking them off one at a time. And a year ago, I finally got the last one where I got an honorary PhD with Tonino Lamborghini. Lamborghini and I flew to India and we did commencement speeches at their biggest universities, like their Harvard, and they granted us one of these honorary uh, PhDs. It was, it was a great experience. Well, I, I got to get one of those. That's probably the only way I'm ever going to graduate from college uh, <laughs> or university is to get one of those honorary degrees. You, you're the same. There, yeah. there, you, there you go. And it's so funny because, you know, here's the funniest thing. I'm the most real author you'll ever meet because I cannot read. I cannot write. I can't spell. I'm dyslexic. Play me words with friends. You'll win every time. And the bottom line is I understood the power of work your strengths and hire your weaknesses. So what I did is I got the great ghostwriters and copy editors, and they took my gift of gab and crafted it in the way people would want to read it. And now I've been publishing over 100 books worldwide, 45 languages, and I just got a star on the Walk of Fame in Vegas for yeah. writing books. And yet I've never really written an entire book. Uh, that's amazing. You know, I, I never finished school. I went to college and I just went and did all the classes, did all those things, but never finished out the four final classes yeah. that I had because I got too busy doing the stuff I was doing. Right. Let, I want to get back to your list. Aren't you adding more things to your list? I mean, 
Because when you're eight, 17, 18, the stuff on your list, okay, that's pretty out there. But by the time you get to be our age, that stuff's not out there. I mean, we can do that stuff because we've either earned, earned our way, got to meet interesting people. Are you still adding things to your list? You know, I appreciate you asking. That's like the biggest question that comes up and the answer is no. What I did is I realized that I literally have done every single thing that I've ever wanted to do. Like I, I could die empty right now. I feel pretty good. Yeah. So what I did is I sat my son down, which you met Colt. He's eight years old. I said, Colt, I go, what's your bucket list? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, there, there, oh, there's a list that you can do anything you want in your lifetime. What would you like? And he started his own list and now I'm helping him cross those off. And I got to yeah. tell you, you get much more fulfillment from helping that kid do what he wants than I ever did. And his latest one, he wanted to fly an airplane. So we went to Oahu and a buddy of mine's a flight instructor. So we got a private little Cessna and a private instructor and Colt got to fly a plane at eight years old from Oahu to Kauai all by himself with an instructor talking to his ear. And then five feet before he landed, the instructor took over to make sure we were safe. But it was interesting because he learned to do it on video games using one of those little things. And it's amazing to watch a little kid's eyes light up. I mean, me carrying the torch for the Olympics was pretty cool, but watching that kid fly a plane, unbelievable. Yeah, I'm the same way. If you ask me what is it I don't I, I want to do that I haven't been able to do, it's usually stay home. You know, that's that I mean, that's me. I you know, everybody else is complaining about being stuck at home. I'm going like, man, this is like vacation, you know, <laughs> but I'm working. I've never worked harder in my life with all the stuff that's going on. But any nonetheless. But I, I kind of live the life I want to live. I mean, I mean, if you're living the life you want to live, then you don't have any regrets about what you might have list and what's on that bucket list. I, there are things I'd love to go do. I want to go to Turkey. I've never been to Turkey. I want to buy a home in, in, in a foreign country. I'd like to do that just so I could always go there. But you know what? I can get a hotel room for that matter. In, I know. Uh, or that, or we do a consortium and you, me, and some of our friends chip in and buy a little villa somewhere. Who knows? But you know, what's interesting thing. Ooh, about that's a cool that? idea. All right. There's an idea. All right. Let's write that one down. LLC now right there. Consortium LLC.com right there. <laughs> so I, I, I had, I had this weird little epiphany and I'll share this with you because it's, it, it just is happening in real time. When all this stuff was, was coming down um, on Monday, I get tested for Corona because I think I already had it and I already went through it. And I was going through Same the thing. thing and I, so I called my lawyers and made sure my, all my will, all my money, everything was set. And I realized this is going to be interesting. I had a great, death style. Now check this out. I had a great death style where I went, well, did I cross off the bucket list? I went, yes. Did I do a hundred books and movies and stuff? Did I leave a legacy? Yes. Do I think, yes. I went, is my son taking care of family taking care of? I go, I'm good. And then I sat there and as soon as I got to acceptance, I said, now what's the other side of that? I said, lifestyle. And I walked outside. And I said, what's when this clears, what's my new lifestyle going to look like? Mm. And I went outside and I said, do I really need three brand new cars in the driveway that I'm paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month that I can't even drive right now? Is that important to me? And I started, no, right. And I started reassessing what's important. So now the new thing is I'm creating and documenting what my new lifestyle is going to look like. And it's happening literally in real time. Yeah, I you know oh well listen, I'm gonna come I'm gonna take a break and come right back because this this is just gonna keep going and going. So this is so good. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, all business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C Suite Radio. C Suite Radio. Hey, we're back and we're talking to Greg Reed, owner, the millionaire mentor, and we're talking about living the life you want to live. 
Let's talk about cracking the code. How can millionaires and billionaires help others crack that code of abundance? How can we make them do that? Well, it's interesting. So a good writer writes, yeah, a writer writes about what they need help with the most. And a few years ago, I got uh, divorced and I have the greatest ex-wife in the world and we're splitting everything up, very amicable. And I go, man, I should have more dough. After all this success I've had, I should have more money. And I realized that all my books were about perseverance, don't quit, but they weren't about actual cash and revenue. So I went on a mission and for three years, I interviewed people worth a hundred million to a billion dollars. And I wrote this book called Wealth Made Easy. Uh, you're part of that, by the way. And was really interesting along that quest and journey is I started asking the exact blueprint of wealth hacks of what they did. And I wrote it in one page each of all these amazing people of what it is. And I realized that if you can't explain what wealth and prosperity is and how it works in one page, you don't understand it clearly. Right. So I'll give you an example. The first billionaire I went to, I said, how do you make money in dirt? And he said, time plus land is wealth. And I said, explain. He says, I look for a town anywhere in the world that's growing exponentially at 25%. I look for Broadway Main Street. I draw a line out eight miles. I buy the dirt. I rent the dirt to farmers. They pay the lease on the land. I get vegetables for years. As a town continues to grow, it ends up on my plot. Since I'm on Broadway and Main Street and own the biggest land, that's what I sell to the big box stores 800 times what I paid a billion dollars. Wow. That's, that's, I, I believe that guy's out of, out of Canada. Yeah. Canada. Right? Oh, I yeah, met Calgary. Calgary. He's from Calgary. Right. Yeah. And then he introduced me to his billionaire friends and his billionaire yeah. friends. I mean, I sat down with amazing people to find out what they did and none of it was rocket scientists. I, I'll give you an example. Lamborghini. I go, how in the world did you and your dad create so much crazy wealth and abundance without ads? And he said, Greg, all you got to do is create a product, good or service that people save their money to happily hand it to you. What do yeah. you mean? He goes, no one's saving their money to go to your vet and buy your book, Greg. He goes, but people cash in their 401k to drive our car. He goes, you're not going to spend $4,000 a night to live in your own apartment, but I promise you're cashing in the family's vacation fund to give it to a mouse with big ears in Anaheim. <laughs> he goes, if you can create a product, good service or experience that people save their money to give it to you, You'll never run out of wealth and prosperity, and you'll never have an angry client. You're exactly right. I talk to people all the time. I said, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to join the C-suite network. You know, <laughs> they don't think that. What they're doing is, hey, I'm looking to solve problems. I'm looking to meet new people. I'm looking for success, and it's my job to show them I'm the vehicle for that. You know, I'm the Lamborghini for that. How's that? So hey, your book... Go back to your book, the, the the Millionaire Mentor. You know, I was talking earlier with uh, the book doctor and entrepreneur uh, Jen Dorsey, who runs Entrepreneur Press, and your book was rejected. I don't mean to laugh, Greg, but all right, <laughs> two hundred and sixty-eight times before it became a bestseller. I mean, how did you handle that? I, it's so funny. When you write a book, you do something called the query letter who you are, what's your message, why you're an expert, who's going to read your book. I sent eight of these out every single day. So the following week, I get eight rejection letters. And after a while, I started taking them and taping them to the wall. And my entire office became, you know, 
wallpapered with these rejection letters and it almost became comical. And I realized that I was onto a great story and format. I just wasn't telling it in the right way. Again, work your strengths, hire your weaknesses. So I got an amazing ghost writer who took my words and crafted them in a way that people would want to read. For example, I'd say a boy gets the entrepreneurial spirit, gets off his ass, goes mows the lawn, makes money and buys a bike. That was my message. They took it and said, it was a glorious Sunday afternoon when a young bright-eyed lad caught the entrepreneurial spirit as he walked out, right? And they took it in a way people would want to read. And I realized by the power of associating with people that work your strengths uh, and you can hire your weaknesses, everything started falling into place. I'll give you an example. Wealth Made Easy. When I did this book, the guy who, my name's on the book, by the way, here's a big, there's no Santa Claus. An author is the guy whose name goes on a book and a writer is the person who wrote the book. Sometimes they're two different people, just like Katie right. didn't write Firework, but she's the author of it. It says right. with Gary Krebs, when you see a with, that's the person who actually wrote the book. And Gary Krebs is a publisher or former publisher of McGraw-Hill Publishing Corporation. Now, who can write a better book? A, a guy who could barely graduate high school or a publisher of major New York Times, you know, right. And I realized by associating with people that could work those strengths, you know, I could get the majesty for getting my message out, but they could deliver it in a way people would want to read. Well, that's the way it is. By the way, all my books have had a ghostwriter and a ghostwriter is actually just an alter ego. And so I'm so glad to have had Jim Eber with all four of my bestsellers. And Jim has helped me because in fact, his wife says sometimes she yells at him. She says, quit acting like Hazlet, quit, quit channeling Hazlet in conversations because he starts getting kind of sassy with her, you know? Or walking with a little swagger. Hey, you were involved in the making of a movie that was out this last year. Yeah. And it's actually, I saw it on Netflix the other day. Um, Netflix or Primetime, I can't remember which one, but it's called Wishman, the story of Frank Shankowitz. He's the founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. How did you get involved? And that, and that, by the way, I remember the very first time I met you, you were talking to me about that movie. And we were at I, I don't even think it was your conference. It was somebody else's conference and we were there. And then you started telling me, and that's how I found out about Secret Knock. But then you told me about this, this movie and I'm going, who's this? And then here comes this cowboy walking in. And it was Frank Shankowitz. How did you get involved with that project? Oh, it's so interesting. I was doing a book called Thinking Grow Rich Stickability, The Power to Persevere. And at the end of the interview, I was on stage with Frank at Secret Knock. And I go, Frank, I got to know what was your wish? He looked at me like I had two heads. And I, he goes, what are you talking about? I go, you're a founder of Make-A-Wish. What did you wish for? He goes, Greg, no one ever asked me. I go, what? I go, I'm going to be the guy that grants your wish. I go, do you want a Lamborghini? I know a guy. <laughs> he goes, no. He goes, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids know I did something. So he signed over his life rights. I said, Frank, I'll make it into a major feature film. But just know I've never made a feature film. But he trusted me, and it took six years and millions of dollars. And we ended up making the official ballad for the Oscars in January. And now we're trending worldwide on Netflix. Yeah, I think it was just phenomenal that you even got it. First of all, to get it done. I know what it takes to do a television show and get it on a primetime network. And not to mention what it takes to do a movie. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back. And I want to talk a little bit more about Secret Knock and all the stuff that you're doing. We're talking with Dr. Greg Reed, Greg Reed the owner of The Millionaire Mentor. We'll be right back on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. C-Suite Radio. 
Hey, we're back. This is Jeffrey Hazlett, and we're talking on all business on C-Suite Radio. And, of course, we're broadcasting live on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks, all of you, for joining us and being a part of this very special live cast that we're doing, as well as taping uh, the podcast for distribution over C-Suite Radio or wherever you listen to uh, your podcast. Well, one of my conditions of satisfaction is making money. I like to make money. I mean, that's how we keep score. But I like building wealth even better. So how do you build wealth? Mm, that's a great question. One of the biggest ahas. Now, this is going to mess with a lot of people's paradigm. So if you give me permission, I will kind of think outside the, the proverbial box. Do I have permission to do that, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I sat down with this guy who's a multi, multi, multi-billionaire, many billions. And I said, why are you so wealthy and I am not? And he looked at me. He says, Greg, it's because you believe the BS lies that you're spreading to the world. You are the instigator that holds people back, and we thank you. I went, what? (laughs) And he goes, you are the purveyor of the greatest lie that's ever been told, and we hope that you keep it up. And I go, what are you talking about? He said, to go find your passion, and the money will follow. He goes, please keep telling people that. And I go, what do you mean? And he pulled out a cell phone with one of my own memes on there on Instagram that said, you know, follow your passion and not a paycheck. He goes, and then you wonder why you're a broke ass. I went, whoa. And he goes, look, he goes, look for and capitalize on unexpected opportunities and build wealth and prosperity. And I go, what do you mean? He says, here's the thing. He goes, you'll find a welder, an admirable profession. They work their entire life and retire with a little nest egg. They go to a Tony Robbins seminar. They find their passion and they open up a yogurt shop. He goes, 95% of businesses that fail the first year isn't because of their passion or their desire. He's a welder and not a yogurt dude. And he goes, but the thing is, when they go under, since it's their baby and their passion, they hold on too long. And as they go down, holding onto that anchor, they pull down their car and their boat and their house. It goes, oh, man, we sweep in, buy that pennies on the dollar. He goes, keep that going, would you? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, we're like a game of Frogger. He goes, we ride a log, and as soon as it dips, we jump to the next log. We can never go down with a ship. It's just business. He goes, we create so much wealth and prosperity so much of a nest egg that we use that finances to finance our passion. He goes, you guys just do it in reverse. He goes, the Gettys and the Sheiks have zero passion for crude oil under their feet. He goes, waste management has zero passion for dirty diapers and rotten cheese. Aggregate dealers have zero passion for sand and gravel that build the freeways and roads. He goes, but they're the people that built every coliseum. They built the arts, the ballet. They built every single university. He goes, the secret of success is to capitalize on these opportunities and then finance your passion behind it. He goes, look, we own the stadiums and the football teams that everyone following their passions on the field, given their lives and their bones and their brain matter for literally a few million bucks. He goes, it's your choice to decide which side of the field you stand on. But for ours, we choose wealth. Well, that's the wealth. That's the lesson that you learned from today. I got to tell you, we're talking with Dr. Greg Reed, owner of the Millionaire Mentor. And I want you to check him out. Go to it. Go to the site, Secret Knock. Find about that. Listen, find out and look a little bit more. I wish we had more time. We should we should be talking about Napoleon Hill Foundation. You're running that now. You're running everything. You're running the world. And if you want to learn how to, to make real wealth, you know, follow Greg Reed. Greg, thanks for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. You are a champion. Talk to you soon, my friend. I'd like to talk about what I learned at the end of every single show. And what I learned about is stop following your passion. If you want to make money, if you want to build wealth, 
Go to where the money is, okay? Not to where your passion is. It's great if your passion lines up with that. Man, then you've got the trifecta all the way around. I mean, you're doing work, you're making money, and you're happy. But let me tell you, these people that say, hey, follow your passion, Greg could not have been more right. That billionaire could not have been more right. Don't follow your passion, follow the money, baby. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Please tell others about C-Suite Radio. We've got over 170 shows and we're growing. And we are the world's biggest uh, and largest a business podcast network. So come and listen to us right here on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.